But we're, uh, we're really excited about the season that we're headed into. We got Thanksgiving around the corner. We got Christmas just on the heels. I love this time of the year. I'm, I'm just itching to put up the Christmas tree. I, I don't know. Some of you have already done that. You, you guys are wild. You're crazy. But I, I'm right behind you. I'm ready, itching to go. But uh, we, we, we are really so excited about uh, the Thanksgiving season around here. It's Sunday and Friday that Paul, uh, Paul I forgot his name, Phil, what Phil mentioned. Uh, we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul here in just a second, but, uh, but we're also that Sunday, so the, the, the Friday service is going to, be, it's going to be its own service, it's going to be a great worship service, we've got some really cool stuff planned, but then the following Sunday will be a different service, so if you come on Friday, we hope that you'll come back on Sunday too, because it's going to be another great service, and that's the, the big one that we celebrate together as a church and kind of give thanks to God for, man, what, what a great year and how blessed we've been, and and this year, we, we always take up a, a special offering that Sunday. So that'll be on November the 20th. And I told you last week, and hopefully you got a letter from me in the mail recently about what that offering is going to be going to. It's going to be going to our student ministry to renovate and uh, uh, to, to really take care of some spaces that they have, some needs that they've got to really take their, their spaces to, to a, a level quality where that ministry can just grow and explode. So we're really excited about that and asking you guys to be considering what that might look like if you know we, this has always been a generous church and you guys have always been very generous i'm always constantly amazed how god is uh, using you guys to just make a, a big impact all over the place and so we're grateful for that now just a reminder if you if you're here and, and i know some people are new and say you know we don't we haven't passed a plate in service how do we give if i want to give what do i do about that there are several different ways if you can do it. one is there is a box in the lobby it says offering on it. If you want to drop something in there, there's envelopes. If you want us to track it for you for tax purposes, that's not a problem. We're happy to do that. Uh, another way, though, that you can give a lot of us, uh, I know for, for me, all the staff, all the leadership, we all give online. It's easy. I don't have to even think about it. It's just automated and goes. And, and uh, that's an option. If you go to our website, fairdalechristian.org slash give, you'll see all the information there. It's easy. Uh, but you can also give if you text, if you're one of those text to give people you can do that as well it's another option kind of you text that number and behind me and it just will send you a prompt and say hey here's how you give but we just want you to know how much we appreciate that and you know and the thing i i, I, I it's not very often that i get up and really talk about um you know giving because it's sometimes it feels like you know a little awkward or whatever but i, I do recognize that i would be a bad pastor if i didn't tell you this that this is the only place in in god's word where god says test me the only the only area in our spiritual life that god says put me to the test and see if i'm not faithful when you're generous when you tithe when you give back to the lord he promises to meet our needs he promises to enrich and to bless our lives not by you know making us wealthy but by enriching us and blessing us in in many ways so uh, we just want you guys to be aware that we appreciate your faithfulness in that. Now, as we wrap up this series, I, I, re I just found out that recently the World Happiness Report was released, and they survey people in every country all around the world, and they kind of have these different indicators of how we judge happiness and joy and those sort of things, and they discovered that the United States ranks 16th in the world uh, in, for happiness. And that was sort of surprising to me. Here we are, this country that we're supposedly the wealthiest nation. Uh, we, we have you know, more stuff. 
more opportunities. I mean, people are coming here all the time. They're trying to come here all the time, and we're trying to figure that out. You know, how do we let people in, and what do we do about all this kind of stuff? Because everybody wants to come here, because supposedly we're, we have all these great, wonderful things, and we should be happy, and yet we rank behind Canada. Germany is happier than we are. I found that hard to believe. I'm like, they seem like they're kind of angry. But no, Germany, I mean, Finland, Denmark, whatever, they're hippy-dippies, and they're up at the top of the list. We get that. But, but come on. I mean, we're, we're behind Germany. Iceland beats us. I mean, they've got terrible weather all the time. They're supposed to be miserable, and they, yet they beat us in happiness. So what, what is happening? Maybe they know something that we don't know. We're going to talk about joy, and we're going to talk about happiness as we finish this series up that we've been. This is kind of the end of a. This is kind of the end of the journey today. This is the eighth week that we've been diving into the book of Philippians in the New Testament. Paul writing this letter to this church as he's sitting in jail, and he's been falsely imprisoned for preaching the gospel, and so he's sitting there not knowing what, what's going to happen to him next. But he's writing this letter that's just it just overflowing with joy and gratefulness. And what I'm going to say up front is what we're talking about today. This is, this is challenging. This is, this is hard. And it takes practice. This is a, what we're going to see. This is a lesson that has to be learned. And the younger that you are, the better off you're going to be. If you can learn this lesson early, it's really going to save you a lot of heartache down the road. Not that, not that, it's, you know, not that it's too late for, for some of us. It's always a good time, you know, to learn a lesson, but the, the faster that you can learn this lesson, the earlier that you learn it, there are so many things in my life, and I'm sure there's so many things in your life that you wish, that you could say, I wish I had learned that 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, the lesson that I'm finally just learning now, I wish I'd known it back when. We, we had a little experience like that in our house this past week. Uh, a lot of you know I've got three kids Ethan, Jacob, and Adeline, and they're, they're 15, 13, and 11. Jacob's in the middle. He's kind of a little, he's kind of a little wild animal. And uh, he's always, Jacob, you know, our middle son, he, I, he's just so hilarious. But he's always, he's always just kind of has to find something, I don't know, that just makes him unique, I guess. And so this week, he's, he has a teacher at his school that uh, is on this health kick. And for whatever the reason... <laughs> He uh, keeps a jar of dried crickets on his desk, and he eats them for protein. Totally gross. But Jacob had asked his teacher, he said, can I have one of those crickets? I want to try it. And his teacher said, listen, if you get permission from your mom and dad, I'll be glad to give you one. So this past week, Jacob's sitting at school, and he emails Megan. And, and Megan sends me this screenshot. He emails her and says, hey mom, I need you to email me saying that you will allow my teacher to give me a cooked cricket to eat. She didn't respond right away, so he emailed her again and said, please answer me, I want to eat a cricket. <laughs> Megan writes back, ha ha, sure thing, have fun. A few minutes go by, and then he sends her this message, remind me to never eat a cricket again. <laughs> So he had, to, he had to learn the lesson the hard way, right? <laughs> but at least the lesson was learned. Well, we're going to see, <laughs> we're going to see how the Apostle Paul, he's going to tell us 
about a great lesson in his life. It doesn't have to do with eating crickets, thank goodness. But it may, this is something that makes a monumental difference for him and to make all the difference in the world for us. We're in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. Again, he's, he's writing to this church that have shown him so much concern. They've been so generous towards him. And he says, how I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. Because they're saying, hey, we know you're in prison. What can we do? What can we do for you, Paul? What, what, can, what can we do? He says, hey, I know that you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned. You've got to underline that in your mind. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. It's a big deal what he's getting ready to say. The next, the next few words are it's a pretty big verse in the Bible. In fact, the whole, this is what the whole point of this study is. We've been looking at this letter for the letter to the Philippians for eight weeks. And for eight weeks, we've asked the question, how do we have joy? How, how can we have it? How can we be content? How can I have more peace in my life? How can I have those things? What is it? What makes us happy? Paul says, I've learned the secret. And I really like that. And, and here's what hit me this week. I know I've read this scripture a lot, but it's just like this week it jumped out of me that he says, I have learned, which indicates to me that at one point he did not know, but at some point he's learned a lesson. He says, now I know. I didn't know at one time, but now I do know. What is the secret that Paul's learned about contentment, and how did he learn it? And how is it possible for us today? I think there's, there's a huge lesson here for all of us. He says, I've had everything, and I've had nothing. You know, Paul was a high-ranking Pharisee. He was one of the Sadducees. He was a pretty wealthy, well-off dude. And then when he followed, became a follower of Jesus, he lost everything. Lost of his prestige, his status, his family, everything. Everything's gone. He says, I've had it all and I've had nothing. And, and now I'm content. What, what does he know that we don't know? He's, been, he's seen the best parts of life and he's seen the worst parts of life. A few weeks ago, if you were here, you might remember Paul said that I consider everything a loss compared to knowing Christ. How does he have this deep sense of joy and hope and he's looking forward to what lies ahead? How can he do that? Why can't we seem to do that? What, what is it that's keeping you from joy? What is it that's keeping you all worked up all the time, all stressed out, all anxious, mixed up? I just don't, I just don't feel any sense of peace, or I definitely wouldn't say I, I have a sense of contentment. Are you disappointed? Maybe you're discouraged, life not turning out the way that you'd hoped or you'd planned. Paul says, I've learned the secret. I've learned to be content. What's the opposite of, of contentment? When he says, this is it. I finally figured it out. I know how to be content in every scenario. The opposite of contentment is discontentment. Uh, and, and you know what causes that? What causes discontentment? Really one big, huge thing. Comparing. Comparison. So when I look at my life, and I look at what my scenario and, and what I have... Versus what my neighbor has. 
or versus the person that I, I see on, online on Facebook or Instagram or the person that I watch on television or the person, that, you know, the, the, the old high school friend that, man, things really worked out for them and they haven't worked out as well for me or whoever. Maybe it's even a, a member of your own family that you say, man, we just don't have, you know, my cousin, he's really doing great and we don't seem to be doing as well. When you're comparing yourself to someone else, it's a dangerous game and the end result's going to be the same. You're going to feel crummy about yourself no matter what. And you'll have less joy. It would be so easy for Paul to, to be discontent. It would be so easy for him to not have any joy. He's sitting in prison. It would be easy for him to compare himself to all the other preachers of his day. And say, why is it that I'm in jail? Here I am suffering. I've been arrested. And these other guys are out, you know, living high on the hog. And everything's going well for them. And, and, and everything seems to be smooth sailing. Why is it that I have to be beaten and shipwrecked and homeless and have all these problems and now here I sit chained to a Roman guard 24-7 wondering what's up around the next bend. It'd be so easy for him to compare and, and kind of play that, play that game and go there in his suffering. He could have been bitter and angry about what he was going through. And you know, it would be really easy for you to do that too. For you to look at your life and look at what you don't have or what you should have or you wish were, were different. And there's always somebody out there that's similar to you, and their life just seems to be a big bowl of rainbows and sunshine, and you wonder, why not me? Paul says, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. And this is so important. I say that the earlier that we learn this lesson, the better off we are, the, the more heartache and heartbreak we will avoid down the road because no matter what you have and no matter what you've accomplished there is no win in comparison you you will never come out on top it never leads anywhere certainly doesn't lead to joy the wisest man that ever lived the wisest man in the in the history of of humanity was king solomon in the old testament the son of king david and he had it all he had everything. He'd been there, done that. I mean, he'd been blessed in every way. And he summarized it like this in Proverbs 14, verse 30. He said, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like cancer in the bones. That's how, that's how destructive it is, what it, what it does to us. It's extreme. He says, jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. So the bottom line for, for our time together simply really is, is this. What, what do we do? What do we do? Knock it off, all right? We just all go home. That's it. Just knock it off and stop it. If, it, if only it were that easy, then it, that would be great. But we know, I wish I could come out here and say, let me tell you what to do, and this will never affect you ever again. But you know that, that we can't do that, and that's not going to work. We have to learn how to manage this tension because it's not going away. It's never going to go away. It's always going to be there. But it does not have to control you. And it does not have to drive you. The very next verse, Paul has said, I've learned the secret to being content. This is what we're all trying to achieve. This is where we all want to be. You know, when you, this is why you get up every morning. The reason you get up and you sit in traffic and you go to a job and you sit there and, and work and, because you're trying to have a nice life. We all want this one thing. We want to be content. 
We want to be at peace. We, we want joy. You, you can do this. You can manage the tension. Verse 13, he says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's a big verse. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I hear a lot of people interpret that verse to mean that whatever I want, I will get if I somehow align Jesus to my cause. You know, so whatever, whatever I want, then that's what's going to happen. So I can do everything through, through Christ. That means, that means I'll, I want to be an astronaut, so therefore I'm, I'm going to be an astronaut. No, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. It does not mean that you can do, you know, if I could do whatever I wanted, I'd be, I'd be six foot tall, you know. But it's not, it's not in the cards for me. It's just not going to happen, you know. And there's some things Jesus is just not going to equip you to do. It doesn't mean that, you know, you can be anything, you can do anything. That's not what he's saying. You know what this, what this verse means? It means that we can choose joy. I can choose to rejoice. I can, I can change my mindset through Christ who gives me strength. Here we come to something really important about contentment. As we think about what it, what, if, what it looks like to be content. Contentment does not mean that you are indifferent to your circumstances. It doesn't mean that you, that you just are denying reality. It doesn't mean that I'm just, oh, whatever, whatever will be, will be. That's not contentment. That's, that's not what we're talking about. I'm not talking about check your brain at the door and just pretend that things are better than they actually are. Contentment does not mean that you are indifferent to your circumstances. It means that you're not controlled by your circumstances it's not driving you you're not being emotionally driven you're not you're not all over the place paul is not saying i don't care whether i have an abundance or i'm in need that's not what he said he didn't say oh i I don't care it doesn't bother me he's saying my joy does not depend on it i can be joyful whether i have plenty or whether i have nothing I've learned the secret, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not going to waste any more of my life comparing myself to anything or anyone else other than who I was yesterday. And, and that's the thing, contentment is, is a journey from, from anger to peace and from frustration to satisfaction, from anxiety to trust. That's what we're learning, that's what we're growing through. King Solomon, if you look again at some, some of his words in the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Solomon said, you know, I have observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. He says, this too is meaningless, like chasing the wind. And he says this in in verse 6. He says, "It, it would be better to have one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. What he's saying is one, one handful with tranquility... One handful with satisfaction. He, he, that means it, to, to, it would be better to have a little and be satisfied. I would be better off if I didn't have as much as the next door neighbor. If I, if I had just enough, I'd be much better off to just have one handful with tranquility. That's what it means. It means to be satisfied. It means what that verse is saying is when you drive home at night, you're going home from work, and you go into your apartment, or you go into your house, and, and, it, and it means that you're, you are fine. 
And when you walk through the door, you're not worried about what somebody else has or wishing that things could be different for you. It means that when you go visit your friend or your older brother or your younger brother, or you go see your older sister or your younger sister, and they live in that big old house, and they got two brand new cars in the driveway, and they got everything. It just looks so picture perfect, and it's all good. And You go visit them, and then when you go back to your house, it means that you're fine. That you say, I'm happy for them, and I'm happy for me. I, that, that is tranquility. Better to have one handful and to be satisfied. Better to have a little with tranquility, to have peace. It means I am so happy to them, but it doesn't bother me. You know, that person got into that school that I always wanted to get into, and I didn't get into that school. And maybe, maybe you know, in, a, in another way, we, we wouldn't have, you know, once upon a time, that would have bothered me so much. I don't even think we could have been friends anymore. But now, you know what? I'm not even, I've learned that one handful of tranquility is better than two handfuls of striving and toiling and stress trying to keep up with somebody, chasing the wind. Because the thing is, we, we assume that more is better. That's, the, that's what drives us. That's all, everything that we're, we're marketed to, you know, every advertiser. That's, what the, that's the message that they're trying to send you. You're not happy now. We know that. So buy this, and then you'll be happy. So if you get this truck, or you get this house, or you get these, you know, this stainless steel appliances, or you buy this cheeseburger... It will make you happy, we promise. And it never does. But we assume that it must because they said it would. So surely it will, right? More must be better. More is going to make me happy. But chasing more, it always leaves us wanting more. So this is the point, and this is is what I think is so powerful. The the lesson that we have to learn. Some of us, we're going to go down hard, and we're going to try to avoid this lesson at all costs. And we're just going to have more and more misery and misery and misery until we finally accept it is that a simple life is a blessed life. Simplicity. Scripture talks about that a lot. And we should make it our goal. It should be our aim to live a quiet and tranquil life. If we could have that, we are blessed beyond measure. To be able to love Jesus and to have enough, give me my daily bread. Give me what I need for today, you know. Set my feet up on the ground once more, Lord, and I'm going to trust you. Less is actually more. Less is more when you know that this is what God has given you. This is what he's entrusted you with. Be faithful with it. Be blessed. He wants you to have that one handful with tranquility, then grasping and striving and pretending, competing. That's what Paul's saying. I've, I've learned the secret. I learned the secret. To being content. I can choose to rejoice. I've had plenty. Uh, I've had nothing. But I can choose to have joy. And he, and he thanks them in the next verse. I just want to read it as we finish out the book of Philippians. This is how it ends. He says, even so, you, you've done so well to share with me in my present difficulty. Because as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. And even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you, but rather I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. He's saying, you guys have been so generous to me. You guys just love you, and he wants other people to know that. And then verse 19, he says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So... 
All glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. He's saying, I have everything I need, guys. God has totally met my needs. I have my daily bread. I know that he's with me. And if I do end up needing something, I trust that God will provide that at the moment that I need it. Just as he'll continue to provide for you. That, that is what we call faith. That I trust. I, I don't have it now, but I know that I will when, I, when the time comes. I heard a story this past week. Corey Ten Boom uh, wrote, in, wrote in a book and was talking about being over at a, at a friend's house. She was a little girl at the time, and they'd gone to a friend's home where someone had, had died. And it really, it really scared her, and she, she uh, talked to her father, and she said, I don't want you to ever die. I what will happen if you die? I don't want that to happen to you. I would, I, how would I live? What would I do? I, you know, I wouldn't be able to go on if something happened to you. And she's all upset and crying, and, and her dad set her down, and he said, hey, listen, listen. When we go, when we go get on the train... When do I give you your ticket? She said, well, you give it to me right as we're getting on the train. He said, exactly. I don't give it to you way before. I don't give it to you the day before. Not even like as we're in the station. I wait till we're getting on the train, then I give you your ticket. I give you what you need when you need it. He said, in the same way, you know, you're worried about things that might happen or maybe you know, could possibly. You're worried about something. What we need to know, we need to remember is that God is going to be faithful to give us exactly what we need at the moment that we need it. See, we're, we're worried that something might happen. What if I won't have this? Or what if this happens? Or you know, we, we create scenarios in our minds and we just go wild with it. What, what, what will I do? What will I do? What will I do? And we live as if God is going to abandon us or he's not going to be faithful to us when has he ever let us down we sang about that all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good why is it hard to trust it's the secret paul's talking about this is the secret that i've learned i've learned how to be content whether I have plenty, whether I have nothing, no matter what I'm going to go through, I know that God is with me. It's faith. There's a, there's a tough question that we need to ask ourselves. If we're going to have peace, if we're going to choose joy, is a really hard question we've got to wrestle with. We look back once more at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. When Solomon writes this, he says, There was a certain man, Kind of telling a story. There's a certain man who lived alone. He didn't have a son or a brother, yet he worked all the time. His eyes were never happy with the riches he had. And he never asked, look at this, this is, this is, this is wild. He, he never asked the question, for whom am I working? And why am I keeping myself from happiness? What's he asking there? Why, why am I doing this? What's the point? Here I am striving and searching and chasing the wind. You know, it's nothing. It's work that brings sorrow. He's, he's going, hey, wait a minute. Hold, hold, hold the phone for a second. Why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? Who am I doing this with? What's the point to all this? What, what am I trying to prove and who am I trying to prove it to? It's a really hard question. It's an important one, too. The, and the younger you are, again, the younger you are, the, the, more pow, the, the, the more time you have to live this out. 
Learn it early. But those of us that we're not, not, on the, not on the younger side anymore, it's never too late, but you got to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Who am I trying to impress? Who am I trying to prove something to? And what is it that I want to prove? Why, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? What am I, what am I striving for? Why, why am I toiling? Why am I gritting my teeth? Who's it for? And some of you, you know who it's, who it's for. You are competing with one of your siblings. You've got a brother or sister, somebody in your family. And you guys, you're not, it's been a long time since you were kids, but you're, you're still competing. And it, and it sort of bothers you that they're doing a little better than you're doing. And you're trying, to, you're trying to win. You just want to win. Uh, some of you, you're trying to live up to your mother's expectations. You just want to make mom, you want to win mom over. And let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you a hard thing. You're not going to. You're not going to win your mom over. And you know how I know that? Because if you were going to, you would have already. Now, I know that's tough. But it's true. Some of you, you are living, you're trying to live up to your father's expectations you want him to be proud you you're waiting for the hug that you never got you're waiting for that moment to make your father smile and for some of you your father's been gone he passed away years ago and you're still if you're really honest with yourself you are striving to make him proud you you want something that's not going to happen and you've never stopped and asked this powerful question why am i doing this and who am i doing it for whose approval Am I competing for? Paul says, I finally learned the secret. This is a guy who was at the top of his game. Remember his laundry list of achievements? We looked at several weeks ago. He says, I was, <laughs> if you want to talk about who's done, who's done what, uh, circumcised on the eighth day. I was a Pharisee. I persecuted the church. I was, uh, you know, he, he's, he's, this laundry list, his, his personal achievements, so he had he had just risen to the top. He says, all worthless. I consider it all rubbish. Jordan Peterson in the, his book, The Twelve Rules for Life, a fabulous book. He says it this way. I love this quote. He says, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. That's it. If you have to compare, if you have to, and we've got to learn to manage the tension, right? Because it's not going to go away. It's never going to go away. What do I do with it? Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. If you are better than who that guy or that girl was yesterday, then you're on the right track. You're making progress. Compare yourself to yourself, but don't waste your life and don't waste your energy comparing yourself to other people because you only get one shot at this. Don't miss the life that God intends you to have. He made you on purpose, and he wants you to have joy. It's not a pipe dream. It's not a, well, that would be nice, or maybe I'll get it. I'll arrive there at some point when things work out in my favor. He wants you to have joy today. God wants you to have joy in your life right now and forever. And you can choose it. If you're not enjoying your life, no one else is going to enjoy it for you. And, and here's what Paul knew, and this is what Jesus teaches, and what so many others who have gone on before us, they've learned the secret of contentment, that those who lose Everything for Christ, gain everything because of Christ. And we've learned that. If I'm willing to lose everything for the sake of Jesus, then that's where I'm going to find I gain everything in Jesus. And it's called joy, and that is the power 
and the call of Christ on your life. Live simply and be blessed. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you that you, you promise to meet every one of our needs in our time, in our moment of need. You've given us everything that we need to, to follow you and to, and to be the people that you have designed us, created us to be. Help us to, help us to choose joy. Help us to choose to live the life that you intend us to live. Give us strength. Help us to manage that, that tension, the desire to compare ourselves to others around us. Lord, help us to just, to just keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and to be content with who we are and what you are doing in us right now. Lord, I know that you have made us. We're your highest creation. You have wonderful intentions for each one of us. Help us to never take that for granted and to know and to, to really have that deep sense of peace and knowing that whatever good work you've started in us, you're going to be faithful to finish it. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, for his grace, for your grace, for forgiving us, for loving us, and for continuing to pursue us. I pray all this in his name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.